Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? Our dear Father in heaven, I tremble when I come to this pulpit because it is not my word but yours. I'm not a motivational speaker. I'm not a teacher. I'm a servant and I'm a mouthpiece. For that you have gifted me. But for the rest, you have to work. You have to speak. As for calloused hearts, unbelieving hearts, rebellious hearts, it's only the grace of God, the love of God that can melt a heart and reveal Christ to them. So I pray you do all of that this morning, for you are a great God and worthy to be praised. Speak, Lord, we are listening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What's the name of the series? Strategies for Stressful Times. And today we're talking about how to trust God when you don't like the changes in your life. How to trust God when you don't like the changes in your life. Change keeps happening, and you don't necessarily like all the changes that happen. Sometimes you have to move from one city to the other, and the change is more traumatic for the children than it is for us. Sometimes you're in a relationship, and the status of the relationship changes. Sometimes you're in a job, and you have to move jobs, or you're moved out of a job. Change is inevitable. Nothing rattles us more than change. Have you got the notes? Have you got pens? Have you noticed I filled in all the notes for you? That's because I love you and I want you to just listen. And in between, I've left a lot of space so that you can take notes of your own, what God is speaking to you, and you can write that down. And you don't have to wonder what that blank was all about. All right. Change is a constant. Change is something that rattles us, and we are often found readjusting, readjusting, readjusting to a new normal all the time. But these five things you need to remember when you're going through change. Do I have your attention? These five things you need to remember when you're going through change. Changes that you don't like, changes that you're not comfortable with, or changes that change the status quo, the comfort zone, move you out of a place you don't like? How do you keep trusting God when things don't look comfortable anymore? They don't look uh, stable anymore like they used to be, like you got used to them. Anytime you're overwhelmed with change, these are the five things you need to remember. So we're going to talk about five things we need to remember and five things we need to do. And I'm going to go so fast, well... I'll try to go fast, but I want to land on a couple of points from my heart to yours so that I leave you with something to think about. What do we remember? Number one, I don't even have to tell you to write it down because I could just say, look at it. Number one, changes. You're brilliant. You are brilliant. Change is unavoidable. As long as the earth remains, there will be springtime and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. No matter what, day is going to turn to night, summer is going to turn to winter. In Delhi, summer will come faster than winter. 
<laughs> one day, one day there's two quotes, next day is Banyan. I don't know how that works. But there is no growth without change. There is no change without loss. There is no loss without grief. And there is no grief without pain. You've got to learn the life skill of handling change. You've got to learn to grieve that which is lost. We don't grieve the small things. We don't grieve the little things, the loss of time, the loss of a friendship, the loss of a, 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 a gym membership, the loss of certain small things that we think are so small that it would be too petty to grieve it. But if we don't grieve it, those are the hundreds of small things that, that lead up. No loss without grief and no grief without some pain. Everything is changing all the time. You are changing. Your life is changing. Your kids are constantly changing or not changing. Culture is changing. Three generations, three different cultures. Change is unavoidable. So you don't handle change, you handle the skill to go through change and make sure that your faith is not rattled during change. And I'm not talking about just a change of timings, just a change of, 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 of space and pace. I'm talking about such major changes in our life that it rattles our faith. We're talking about that. Stressful times. It is induced so much stress in your life that you are now struggling to adjust to the new normal. Number one, change is unavoidable. Number two, change is not always good, but God uses it for good. Remember this. These are five things for you to remember. Remember that God uses it for good. He is so brilliant. He is so wise. He is so incredibly creative that he is able to take any situation that has been thrown at you, and he's able to bring good out of it. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So you know you have the favor of God. You know that the favor of God rests on you because nothing is going to come your way that is going to baffle, that is going to rattle God. God's got your back, and he's going to be working for those. Who are the people he works for? Who are the people he turns anything into good for? Those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. Those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. It is conditional. Don't throw this verse out at everybody. Don't write it on every birthday card. It does not apply to everybody. It applies to those who are dedicated with their lives to Christ. And it applies to them with favor that you have the favor of God. And when you have the favor of God, you know that all things work together for good. Number two. Number three, God's purpose in every circumstance is to make me more like Jesus. So not just favor on you today, but future for you tomorrow. Not just favor on you today, but future for you tomorrow. What is God's one and only agenda for you? What is God's, my wife told me not to yell, so I need to calm down. What is God's, what is God's one and only agenda for you? And that you should look like, act like, think like Jesus. That you should look like, act like, think like Jesus. Think about it. You were not fit for heaven, but God has washed you with the blood of Christ 
and has made you fit for heaven. So now positionally you are fit for heaven. But by performance, you are now being sanctified. You are being made like Christ so that you would be fit for heaven. For if you fit for heaven as you were, then you would not have to become like Christ. Is that logical? But because in Christ you were made fit for heaven, like Christ you are being made for heaven. God wants you to behave like Christ, think like Christ, act like Christ. So anything that happens in your life, he's going to use it to make you not a better person. He's going to make you not a lovelier person, a more lovable person. He's going to make you like Jesus. He wants to make you like Jesus. We know that God causes, he makes to work together for good. Love him and are called according to his purpose. Verse 29 says, for God knew in advance... Here's an advantage. For God knew in advance who would come to him. He knows the people who are going to respond. Today there are people who are unbelievers sitting right here. And we call you unbelievers because you have not placed your faith in the atoning work of Jesus. So even some Christians have not done that. There are some unbelievers here today. And God already knows beforehand who is going to receive a message of grace, who's going to receive the mercy of God through Christ and who's going to reject it. And based on this foreknowledge, God pours out favor and God turns everything for the good. That means even before you believe, suppose you believed in 1989 or you believed in 1972, even before God has been working things out for you because he knows that you are going to respond to him. God has been leaving a favor on your hand. And for many of us who got saved, suddenly we remember, we think back on how things worked out. The way God led us, the kind of people God brought into our life, the kind of situations he brought our way so that our hearts would grow uh, warm towards him, so we would become uh, affectionate towards him. So not only favor for now, but future, the favor for the future, that God wants you, underline that, to become like his son, Jesus. To become like his son, Jesus. Why Jesus? Because Jesus came from God. He is the only begotten of God. So that means he is God. And because he is God, he has the nature of God. Every son carries the nature of the father. If the son of God has the nature of the father and you become like the son, you are positionally like a son and you are like by nature like the father. Did I lose you? If you become like Jesus, Jesus is the son of God. As his son, he carries the nature of God, even in human flesh. You being in human flesh also will carry the nature of the father and the position of the son. So you have access to God and you have the nature of God in you. God's purpose in every circumstance is to make you more like Jesus. Romans chapter 5 verse 4 says, Endurance builds character, character produces hope. God's working on your character, not your comfort. God's working. Your plan for this life is, I need to get a house. I need to get a position. I need to get a title. I need to leave a legacy. I need, everything is about this life. Your plans, your dreams, your hopes, your strategies, your things that anger you, things that you know, fill you with joy, everything has to do with this life. And with every passing year, you're having less and less of this life. And you and I have divided our life into life and death. Life and death. But God has divided your life into life 
and eternal life. And death is only the doorway. So God is focusing on preparing you for eternal life. You are spending all your first two, three decades planning for your first life. And by the time you've planned it and done it and won it and earned it, you're too tired. You're too old. You're too weak to even enjoy it. God's work, God's motive, God's agenda for you is to become like Jesus because he has an eternal plan for your life. Ours needs to line up with that. You should be called according to that purpose. And for those who are called according to that purpose, they both have a favor and they have a future in God. God's purpose in every circumstance. Number four, God can use even human error and sin. God can use even human error and sin. So, the Bible says in Genesis 50 verse 20, here's one verse, look at it. You intended to harm me, Joseph is speaking to his brothers when they betrayed him, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God knew what you were going to do, but he made good come out of it to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Talking about the whole, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 dro- the drought that had come in, many people had been saved because Joseph got, found himself in Pharaoh's uh, position and influence. God can use even human error and sin, the sin of others and the error of others. My friend, listen to me. There are a bulk of things in your life that you are attributing to somebody else's fault. There are certain things that didn't happen because people hurt you. The sin of people and the error of people have hurt you. Today you are here and not there because of somebody. And we go through our life ascertaining or ascribing fault to somebody or the other for our lives. I look like this because of so-and-so. I am like this because of so-and-so. Victim of my circumstances, whatever. But for a person who has God's favor on their life, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. For, for a person who has God's favor on life and for the person whose, God, whom, whose life God is working in to turn everything to, for good so that you look and sound and, and, and act like Jesus. For that person, God can turn any human error or human sin done against you. What does that mean? It simply means this. At the end of your life, nothing about your life will be somebody else's fault. Nothing about your life will be because of somebody else's fault. So Joseph turns to his brother, he says, you wanted to kill me. You wanted to harm me. You wanted to destroy me. And your plan, God paltoed it. God turned it over on its head and changed it for my good. Because God's favor is on my life. The difference between you and those who don't live by the favor of God, by the purposes of God, is the favor of God. The difference between you and those who don't live by the purposes of God is the favor of God. We are no better than anybody else. We are better off than everybody else. Did somebody do something wrong to you? Were you abused when you were young? Did someone rob you of your youth? Did someone abandon you? Did someone hurt you? Did someone scar you? You say, Pastor Sammy, a lot of people did. A lot of people. 
But God works everything for good to those who are called according to his purpose and those who love him. So no matter what anybody does, he can circumvent human error, he can circumvent the sins done against you and still get you to be a winner. Still get you to be like Christ. Your life or any part of it doesn't need to be someone else's fault. Number five, every change is always a test of my faith. Every change is always a test of my faith. The purpose of these troubles is to underline, test your faith. Underline this and understand this, my friends. Get a perspective on why stuff happens in your life. Get a perspective of why God loves you so much, yet allows terrible things in your life. Get a perspective about that. The purpose of these troubles. See, God doesn't leave it to mystery. He doesn't want you to figure this out. He's telling you straight up. It's to test your faith. Why? As fire tests the genuine gold. Your faith is more precious than gold. And by the passing of the test, here it comes, here it comes. And by the passing of the test, it gives praise, it gives glory, and it gives honor to God. What does Christ's life do? It gives praise to God, it gives glory to God, it gives honor to God. That's a life prepared for heaven. That's a life prepared for heaven. All right? So number one, changes set. Whew. Unavoidable. Number two, change is not always good, but God uses it for good. Number three, God pur God's purpose in every circumstance is to make me say it more like Jesus. Number four, God can use every human error, even human error. He can use sin, even, no matter what has been done to you, to turn it around, make it good for you. Number five, every change is always a test of my faith. So change your perspective about the way things happen in your life. Let's go to the next five. Five things you need to do. Five things you need to do when stress hits you because of the changes in your life. Changes you didn't ask for. Changes you didn't plan for. Changes you did not want. What to do when I'm stressed by changes? Number one, listen carefully. Let's get real here this morning. Number one, invest more time alone with God. Invest more time alone with God. Always, whenever I say something, in your head, ask the question, why? Why? And I'll answer you. Invest more time alone with God. It says here in Isaiah chapter 40, Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God? He created everything on this earth. And He never grows, say it, or He never grows, or He never grows. So you know at least one person who never gets tired and never gets weary. Instead, he gives strength. Instead, he gives strength to those who are weary and worn out. Are you weary and worn out? Don't answer that. Then he gives power to the weak. Even young people become exhausted. Even young people, they are more tired than the old people. They are more exhausted than the old people. They have more words to explain stress than we did growing up. We just said stressed. But they've got all sorts of synonyms and gifs. Gifs. 
Young people also will get tired. In this day and in this age, when they're sleeping less, breathing less, exercising less, thinking less, meditating less, walking less, talking face-to-face less, when everything has changed for them, they are getting more tired and quicker. Even the young people will get tired, but those who trust and wait on the Lord will find new strength. Fly high like eagles, they will run and not go weary, they will keep going and not faint. What am I talking about here? Do you know there are some people who drain you? Don't look at them right now. (laughs) There are some people who just drain you. The moment you see their text, you're like, the moment they call, the moment they show up, they just drain you. You just have to look at them and you get tired. Some people in your office or with your work, everything becomes 10 times more difficult with them around. Sometimes when they are not around, you just wonder. I don't know what's missing, but I just feel lighter. I feel less stress. Don't take their name and don't look at them. But there are certain people that drain you. And that's a human experience. But there are certain people that just charge you. Hey, we don't need to hang up. Hey, we need to catch up. We need, hey, whenever I hang out with that person, with that friend, with that uh, significant other, whatever, I feel better. I feel stronger. I feel happier. I kind of draw some strength, some life from that person. Now, maybe you're the one who's draining them. We don't know. But there are people who drain us and there are people who fill us. God never grows tired or weary. Let that sink in. Wow! God never grows tired. Instead, he gives strength not only to the old, but even to the young. Now, there's something about spending time with God that we need to understand. Whenever you and I say, quiet times, have your quiet times, we need to spend time with God. It's very religious. It's very, it's very, you know, very pious. And there's always this kind of, oh, we need to have confession time. Oh, please do. We need to, you know, we need to give our prayers to God and tell him about the needs of our, yeah, absolutely. But there is a hanging out with God. There is a hanging out with God that results with you getting up and getting out with greater gusto. There is a strength giving that God gives when you spend time with a person who gives you energy and gives you strength rather than drains you. You'd rather, you know, you know when you talk, when you spend time with people who drain you, we call it work. And when you spend time with people you have fun with, you call it pleasure. You call it hanging out. You call it socializing. Why? Because you like those people. You get some fun out of it. You feel good with them. After spending time with them, you feel good. What about God? The Bible is saying that God never grows tired or weary. And spending time with him, write this down, recharges me. It recharges me. Now, it won't recharge you in the first shot. It won't recharge you in the first hour. Remember when you used to buy the phones 10 years ago or, or any, any d- electronic device? They all would tell you, take it home and charge it for eight hours. Yeah, there. It was not like iPhones today and all that. Immediately you just, you know, jack it in and start. They said, take it home and whole night charge it. Maybe you need to start with that. You can't start with supercharge, quick charge, you know. You, you can't start with that. You've got to start with a solid eight-hour overnight 
with God. You've got to start with a complete overhaul. Learn to love the presence of God to the point where you feel charged rather than drained. If you spend time with God, if you do, and you walk away feeling drained, guilty, upset, and you feel like you've lost time in your day, it's the wrong God. I don't know who you've been talking to, but it's not the God of the Bible. Invest more alone time with God. Why alone? Because when you say you've spent time with somebody, it could have been in a crowd. It could have been at work. You didn't spend time with them. You spend time with somebody, write it down, who you pay attention to. Who you pay attention to. When you are paying attention, you call it a date. When you pay attention, you call it a one-on-one meeting. Because I'm here for you. Switch off the phone. Switch off the phone. Set it aside. Lock the door or switch off the TV. Talk. Let's talk. I'm listening. That's attention. When you give your whole attention person and that person is giving you his attention or her attention that's when you are really spending time that's what we call quality time we don't do that with God we don't spend enough time with God until our spirit shuts down and we're actually listening we're actually hearing from him we don't do that and that is why most of us are so tired It's not just my yelling. That is why most of us are drained. That is why we don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle the things in our life because we haven't spent recharge time with God, alone time with God. Change your mindset about time with God from it being this religious five, ten minute quick read the Bible, get a shot, get an inoculation of some spiritual truth and then go into the world and then handle it on your own. No, no, no. Number one, invest more time alone with God. He's a person who recharges you. He doesn't drain you. Attention is what really makes it one-on-one time. And communication with transparency, communication with transparency is what develops trust. God tells you the truth through his word. You tell him the truth through prayer. You tell him the truth. Tell him what's going on. Tell him what you're angry about. Tell him how you wanted to kill that yesterday. Tell him how you wanted to give up on life day before yesterday. You just tell him the truth. He can handle it. But when you spend alone time with God and you get to a position where you're actually being truthful and honest with him, you know how we get in relations. We say, I know you long enough that I can tell you the truth. I know you long enough that I can tell you. You've got to learn the presence of God long enough for you to start telling God the truth. And the reason many of us don't have an honest, vibrant relationship with God is because God knows what's going on in your life. God knows what you're hurting about. God knows what your secret motives are. Yet you won't tell him the truth. And when you talk to him, you sound like a fake. You sound like you're just making make him feel good. You just sound like you're doing your duty. And God doesn't pander to that. He just doesn't. He knows the truth. And once you get real with God, God gets real with you. Invest more time alone with God. Recharge, attention, communication. Number two, ask God to help me see his perspective. 
ask God to help me see his perspective. It's a beautiful verse in the Bible that talks about Moses. And you know Moses was a good friend of God. And God, it says here in Psalm 103, God let the people of Israel see his mighty acts. God let the people see his mighty acts, but he revealed his ways to Moses. Don't miss this, please. I know you're tired. Don't miss this. So the people of Israel saw the parting of the Red Sea. They saw the great wonders. They saw manna fall from heaven. They saw miracles. They saw healings. They saw how God works. But they didn't understand why God does what he does. Wisdom is why God does what he does. Wisdom is why God works the way he works. And wisdom is yours if you ask for it. Ask God to give you his perspective. And by that we, need, we mean his wisdom. James says in James chapter 1 verse 5, if you need wisdom, just ask. Ask God. God is generous and he'll gladly tell you what you need. Please understand this. And I want to labor on this. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember this, my brothers and my sisters and my dear, dear friends. Intelligence is not one that runs the world. Strategies and espionage is not what runs the world. But wisdom. By wisdom, God founded the earth, Job says. By wisdom, God brought the worlds into existence. He founded the foundations of the earth. He formed you out of the dust of the earth. By wisdom, he did that. That means he wasn't just an artist. He was a planner. He did it for a purpose. And when he created you, and he created everything, he created with a purpose. He had a plan, a vision in mind. And he did it with tremendous wisdom. Now the God who created you with wisdom, out of wisdom, because of his wisdom, is wanting to grant you that same wisdom to do life. The life he has given you. Our problem isn't that we don't know enough. Our problem is that we don't see why. We don't understand the perspective of God. We don't know why he works the way he works. What frustrates us is that God is not telling us why this happened. Why did she say no? Why did that, that man say no? Why did that character behave like that? Why did this go wrong? When I was doing everything right, why didn't it happen my way? Why does God have to take this small thing away when I asked him? Why doesn't that have to show up right on time? Why couldn't this simple prayer of mine be answered? Why? 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 Wisdom. Wisdom. What we're lacking today is not information. Oh. What we're lacking today is not intelligence, brains, strategic thinking, business strategies. What we're lacking today is wisdom. Wisdom. Wisdom would not send you to war. Wisdom would not send you or send a man or send a nation to war. The Bible says that wisdom from above is first of all peaceable. Wisdom from above is first of all peaceable. Men are acting in their own foolish, in their own wicked, in their own selfish ways towards their woman, towards their families, towards their nation, and towards the world and other nations. It is pure selfish tyranny. It is pure selfishness that makes people do 
the things they do, decide the things they do, and abuse the power that is in their hands, not wisdom. Today, our leaders need wisdom. Our parents need wisdom. Our children need wisdom. You and I need wisdom. And God says, if you need wisdom, just ask. Wisdom from above is first of all peaceable. Wisdom is not something that you accumulate over the years. Wisdom is not something that you, know, that, that you gain over the years. Wisdom is given to you. The Bible says, ask for wisdom. And Proverbs chapter 2 verse 10 says, when you ask for wisdom, wisdom enters your heart. Proverbs 2 verse 10. Wisdom will enter your heart. Solomon asked for wisdom. People in the scriptures, they ask for wisdom. Godly people ask for wisdom. They ask for wisdom. The wisdom of God that formed the earth is the wisdom I need to walk the earth. Another thing I want you to do when you go through times of change is instead of asking why is this happening, ask what do I want to learn? What do I need to learn about this? No, no, no. It's, everything in life is not a lesson. Every tragedy and, 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 and trauma in life is not a lesson. But when you go through that situation, you know how you say, my friends showed their true colors? You know how you say that? You got to know your friends, who your real true friends were during that time? Well, God shows up for all he really is during your worst times. Shall I repeat that? God shows up for all he really is during your worst times. In your hardest places, it is in your most painful times and seasons and journeys when God acts on your behalf. He comes to your rescue. He shows up. He's, he provides. He's present that you learn what he's really like. You'll not learn that in heaven. You'll only learn that on earth. A weekend on earth and an eternity in heaven. And only here will you, hear, will you learn the soft side of God. The fatherhood of God. The presence of God. He says, I, I am your exceedingly great reward. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will answer you. I will be your shield and rampart. I will stand with you. I will go before you. I will fight your battles for you. You don't have to stand it. My son, my child, I've got you. I've got your back. I'm in front of you. Psalm 91, Psalm 94. Like, like, like he, his wings cover you. Underneath is his hands. His wings are around you. Above are his angels protecting you. He says, I've got you covered. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear. 365 times. Who is God to me in this situation? Who are my true friends and who can I count on? Learning about God and your wealth of resources when you most need it is when you really get to know God. When you really get to know Christ. Number four, when you go through times of change, focus on what never changes. The love of God never changes. I have loved you with an everlasting love. The word of God never changes. Truth never changes. The word of God shall stand forever. Isaiah 40 verse 8. God's plans and purposes are eternal. They are set in heaven forever. The plans endure forever. His purposes are lasting for eternity. Psalm 33. So you come to the end of all of this. You experience the presence and the goodness of God. You experience the favor and the future of God. You have the perspective and the wisdom of God. And then you make a commitment to God saying, no matter what happens, and no matter what I see happening, no matter how I see things, I 
trust you no matter. So keep telling God, I trust you no matter what. Keep telling God, I trust you no matter what. Have you heard of self-talk? Have you heard of self-talk? The biggest self-talk you could do is, Jeremy, Jer don't, Jeremy don't, don't, don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Don't run the world. Your feelings are not reliable. Don't trust your eyesight. Don't trust your eyesight. Don't trust what you're seeing. Your you, you, you are limited in your perspective. You're limited in your information. Don't trust what you are being told. Jeremy, trust God no matter what. That's the best self-talk you could do. And you'll never regret that. With my eyes, I see by the light of the sun. With my eyes, I see by the light of the sun. You know how light works. Light falls on something and goes into your eyes and you are able to see by the light of the sun. But by faith, I see by the light of the Son of God. By faith, I see by the light of the truth of God. When the eyes of my heart, Ecclesiastes 2.11, when the, 2.14, when, when the eyes of my heart are open to the truth of God and I'm able to see, I close my eyes and I let my perspective take over. I let my, 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 the Spirit of God take over. He shows me what, is, what God is on about. He shows me what God is doing through my life. Number one, I need to have a covenant trust. I will trust you no matter what. No matter what comes my way. Number two, I need to have covenant eyes. Not by the light of the sun, but by the light of the word. Not by the light of the sun, but by the light of the Lord. It looks bleak. It looks like I'm, I've lost. It looks like there's defeat. It looks like it's not going to work out for me. I'm not going to trust what I see. We walk by and not by. So faith is also eyes. But it's eyes in your head. Ecclesiastes 2.14. The wise man has eyes in his head. He's able to see what God is saying. And God then begins to... Some of you are young. Some of you are 18, 19, 20, 25. You're in your early 20s. My goodness. Men. Can I speak to the guys? If you learned to walk by the eyesight, by the vision of what God leads you, if you learn to tackle the problems, the situations, the hills, the valleys that you walk through life, the situation, the pr people's problems, people struggling around you, the, the, the unanswered questions in life, if you were able to walk through life's, life's tragedies and be able to have the wisdom, imagine what your next generation would be like. Imagination, imagine how you would secure the woman that God gives to you and how you'd be able to keep her in the palm of your hand and be able to protect her and glide, glide, lead her and guard her. Young men, imagine if you had the wisdom of God, you will spend the better time of your life, the better portion of your life living at peace, living it with, with, with the notion that God has got things under control. It's like... Opening your eyes after a coma. It's like opening your eyes after a coma. And suddenly you're able to see what you could never see before. God has given you another set of faithful eyes. Faith-filled eyes. Especially to the younger men, I plead with you. Get your act with God right. Receive Jesus as your Lord. Bow your knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords before he brings you to your knees, which he will. Bow your knee beforehand and the world will be a better place. Because there will be favor on those in the world and future for those heading out. Jesus went to the cross 2,000 years ago 
And he shed his blood on the cross because without the shedding of blood, say it loud like you believe it, because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. One name has been given to us, the name under the sun, by which we can be saved. It is the name Jesus. And this is not by reason or by my conviction that you will know this to be true, but the Spirit of God will speak to your heart right now and tell you that Jesus is the Son of God and that His sacrifice washed you clean. And without Him, you don't have a chance in hell to get to heaven. Jesus died for you and He gave His life for you and He wants you and He values you and He values every day of your life on earth and He wants to walk with you and partner with you and take you to heaven to be with Him forever and ever. And you want a nice car. Get your life right with God. Give your life to Christ. Bow your knee to the, to the God of heaven whose name is Jesus. Changes will happen. Character will form. But you will come out strong. I'm going to read a prayer for you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if your heart is prepared to pray this prayer, then in your heart pray this with me. Dear God, I know change is unavoidable. But I thank you that you have promised to use it for good in my life if I trust you. Father, I want to grow up. I don't want to be a spiritual baby. I want you to make me more like Jesus with love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control, faith, and Father, you know the people who have hurt me in my life. And I thank you that you could even use human error and sin for good if I give it all to you. Help me to realize that what I'm going through right now is a test of my faith. You're testing me. And that endurance produces character and character produces hope. Help me to remember these things. And Father, I want to start doing things practically. I want to start these practical help steps. During these difficult days, I want to invest more time alone with you. I want your spirit to draw me, convict me, give me a hunger for your presence. Because those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will run and not grow weary, walk keep going and not faint and God I'm asking you to help me see your perspective see what you see I don't want to just know what everybody else knows I don't want information I want wisdom I want understanding I want to know your ways oh God and Father, instead of asking and griping about why is all this going on in my life, I want to ask, what do you want me to learn about you? Like Paul, I want to learn to be content in any and every situation, no matter what happens. I want to, I want to learn contentment. I don't want to live grumbling, grumbling, grumbling all my life every day, getting angry about this, irritated about this. I'm tired. No matter what happens, 
I want your stability and your energy. Help me to focus on what never changes, oh God. Thank you. Thank you that your word will always be the truth. That will never change. Thank you that you will never stop loving me. That will never change. No matter what I do. Thank you that nothing that happens can change your plans and your purposes for my life. Oh God, I'm so grateful for that. And God, I'm going to tell you the rest of my life, including right now, I'm going to tell you everything. I'm going to be straight up with you. I'm going to spend time alone with you and I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to come clean to you daily. I trust you no matter what, Jesus. I'm going to trust you no matter what. I surrender myself to you today. I want to walk by wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.